Hello and welcome once again to Refresher, the Pop Culture Therapy Podcast. I am Chris Levine and I will be your host again this time around. You want to hear something funny? It's true. I get messages about this show from listeners and I get them regularly. And I very much appreciate all the interests that you all have in this program. I really do. But I would get a lot more correspondence, letters, free publicity, fan clubs, if I killed someone. (laughs) Statistically, we can say that that is, in fact, a true statement. The website Listverse said in an article that for every man who commits a massacre, there's a whole crowd of women who go wild for him. More often than not, when serial killers and mass murderers make their way into prison, there's a truckload of love letters waiting for them. Listen to this. Ted Bundy, who ended at least 30 lives, got letters from hundreds of different female fans regularly while he was in prison. According to the San Francisco Gate, Scott Peterson had been on San Quentin's death row for less than one hour back in 2005 when the first phone call came in from a woman who wanted to marry him. Over the course of the next 24 hours, nearly 40 more calls came in from other women, each offering support, assistance, money, and yes, more wedding proposals. Then love letters poured in to the penitentiary in even greater numbers. Last one. This one to me is unreal, but it's true. On the average, while he was alive, Charles Manson received over 60,000 letters from fans every year, annually. So here's my question. Why? Well, the BBC gives us this nice piece, and it says this. It says there's a number of reasons, and we're going to talk about three of them. Reason number one is that we love to be outraged together. One criminologist called it the carnival of crime. We like true crime because it's something that we can talk about as a group. But we can gossip, speculate, be afraid, or be excited together. True crime is an effective, albeit macabre, social glue. Reason number two. Let's go two episodes back on this program. Celebrity culture. We love celebrity. There is the idea, discussed by sociologists, that news media routinely sensationalizes modern serial killers as, quote, celebrity monsters. We also generally focus on the childhood of the offender as a way to explain their behavior. In the process, we marginalize the victims and their families to instead talk about the motivations of the murderer. Reason number three, and this is an interesting one, we like to be unique. See, often true crime fan communities who share details of a serial killer's murders aren't therein endorsing these crimes. They are, through these crimes, building their own unique identity as an expert. In other words, in a world filled 
with things that are mass produced, we are looking for ways to feel like an individual, an expert on something, someone who's different. Now, you may wonder when you're hearing me talk about this, do I personally buy into this? Actually, yes. It's a strange phenomenon. Let me see if I can explain. See, personally, I hate when movies and TV shows depict people getting hurt, even the bad guys. Seeing pain, to me, not only doesn't qualify as entertaining to me, but I have no desire to see it under any circumstances. But at the same time, as a younger man, I must have read the Bugliosi Helter Skelter book at least three times. Why is that different? Why is true crime different? The answer, you ready for this? I don't know. Is it because, for example, I lived right next to the Santa Susana Pass in Simi Valley when I was young, right by Corganville and Spawn Ranch? Is it because the whole gruesome story is bad, but it's also very Los Angeles in its scope? Was it my fascination with that decade in general? Was it the tie-in to the Beatles' White Album? Here's an interesting one. Was it the fact that my cousin, who worked for the studios, knew Wojtek Frakowski, said goodbye to him at the end of the day, one day at the studios, and then heard on the news that he was murdered? See, the story, when you peel back the layers, for example, of that particular true crime event with Charles Manson, is really not that interesting. It's really simple, and it's terrible. Here it is in a nutshell. A con man who had a horrible childhood used drugs and manipulation to control young people who were thrown away by society for one reason or another. This led to bad things. The end. That's it. But the true crime angle and the sensationalism, they romanticize everything. For example, calling them a family. They didn't necessarily call themselves that, but they were called that. And when the lawyer, Vincent Bugliosi, talked about the influence of the White Album by the Beatles, guess what happened? It did its job. Not only did this make the whole thing that much more mysterious, but it gave it all a plot when really there wasn't a plot. My understanding, having read a lot about this over the years, is, is not that Charles Manson believed that the Beatles were legitimately telling him what to do, just like Bugliosi said. It was much simpler, and it's actually much more realistic when you hear the background. Here goes. Back then, there was a drug dealer. His name was Bernard Crow. Manson shot him, thought he killed him, but Crow wasn't dead. And the word on the street was that Crow reportedly responded by saying that he would kill Manson and everyone else at Spawn Ranch. Crow, by the way, was an African-American man. So when the murders took place and words like, pig were written on the walls. This was Manson's attempt to make it look like African-American people did it. 
See, this would put more heat on those groups that he felt were seeking revenge on him. There's no Beatles in that. That's it as far as I understand it for real in a nutshell. Think of it all this way. Paul McCartney wrote Helter Skelter about a roller coaster, not as murder fuel. But I guess it's more melodramatic to think that somehow there really is a connection. And this connection worked to get the people involved convicted. It worked. So there you go. The Huffington Post mentioned that there's a toll that comes with overexposure to this kind of stuff as well. True crime. It stated that in addition to increased anxiety and nightmares, overdoing it on true crime can have other negative ramifications. Consuming this genre in excess can potentially increase your feelings of paranoia and inhibit you from taking risks, even minor ones. And it's recommended periodically to be examining your own behavior and your own emotional state to better understand the ways in which you might be personally affected by reading or by watching crime stories. It closes by saying, don't be afraid to take a step back if you need to. If popular culture is any indication, true crime documentaries and podcasts aren't disappearing anytime soon. Now, it may be that spending a lot of time on true crime, at the very least, will bring you down, even if it doesn't affect your sense of safety. I also think it does something else. You see, true crime doesn't usually spend a whole lot of time reflecting on the victims and, and what the bad experiences have done to their families. What true crime generally does is it puts a huge spotlight right on the criminal. It gives them fame and even infamy. I don't plan on getting 60,000 fan letters this year, but Charles Manson did when he was alive. History.com says along these lines as well, it says, in a, in a culture defined by an understanding of celebrity that emphasizes visibility rather than merit as the precondition for fame, Serial killers often become the biggest stars in the world, instantly recognized by the vast majority of Americans. Our fascination with serial murder provides us with a funhouse mirror through which we can glimpse distorted but still accurate reflections of our fears, dreams, and values. I think this is very true. I also think this is kind of sick. Let's try, let's try an exercise here. Okay, let's do this together. Do you know the name of John Lennon's mother? Now, if you're a Beetlehead, you probably do because he wrote a song specifically using that name about her. Her name was Julia. Did you know? Now, the average listener, maybe, maybe not. Now, try this. Do you know the name of the person who killed John Lennon? If you don't know, that's great, and I'm not going to say it. But I bet more people know the name of the person that killed John Lennon as opposed to the name of his mother, whose song, Julia, ironically, is on the White Album. This may be an easier one to try. Let's go, let's go a little bit more simple. Do you know the name 
of Abraham Lincoln's mother. I had to look it up. You might have known. I didn't. It's Nancy. Did you know that? Maybe you did. But now try this. How about the person who killed Abraham Lincoln? I bet you do. Or at least more of you know this man's name than the name of his mother, I would imagine. My thought is this. Why should we know these people's names? How does making these people famous help anything? So I guess I've got to be honest, I'm kind of a line walker on this true crime subject. I get the appeal, especially the romanticized appeal. I, I can get into it as much as anybody else. But then at the same time, I still find myself remembering that the victims were people. And that kind of evens everything out. Let, let's close this one with a quote from Agatha Christie, the English crime novelist, short story writer and playwright, whose works include 66 detective novels. She said this, quote, I have wanted to commit a murder myself. I recognize this as the desire of the artist to express himself. But incongruous as it may seem to some, I was restrained and hampered by my innate sense of justice. The innocent must not suffer. We once again have arrived at the time on Refresher when we present you with a Spotify playlist to ride shotgun alongside this episode's theme. We have for you this time around a Refresher podcast, True Crime, Snap, Crackle, Pop playlist. You can find it really easily on Spotify. Just type in Refresher Podcast dash True Crime, Snap, Crackle, Pop. So here's the 10 songs that fall in line with our theme this time. Track number one, Watching the Detectives by Elvis Costello and the Attractions off their My Aim is True record. Number two is the band Sloan with their song Pen Pals. Number three, Nine Crimes by Damien Rice. Number four, Neil Young and Crazy Horse with the song Cortez the Killer. Number five, Murder by Numbers by The Police. Number six, some reggae, Mad Professor with Jailhouse Dub. Number seven, some cool garage by a group called the Pleasure Seekers called What a Way to Die. Kind of a cool thing. Their singer and bass player was Susie Quattro. You remember her? Remember Can the Can or 48 Crash? She was kind enough to allow me to interview her a few years ago. You may also remember, too, that she played the role of Leather Tuscadero on Happy Days, if that rings a bell. Number eight, The Specials with Gangsters. Number nine, a very artsy track called The Murder Mystery by the Velvet Underground off their self-titled record. And number 10, you ever heard of the band Budgie? B-U-D-G-I-E. This is a band that you could easily call an early and original heavy metal band. It's funny. I have a friend from Poland, and they were huge in a different part of the world, but for some reason, not so much in the United States. Anyway, the song is called Homicidal Suicidal. That's our new playlist. 
again, you can find this playlist really easily on Spotify. Just type in Refresher Podcast True Crime Snap Crackle Pop. We'd like to welcome some new listeners to our little show. Our demographics report shows that we now have listeners in Fresno, California. We want to welcome you. We're very happy that you're here and listening to Refresher. Everyone, this show would simply not exist without you. If you could all do me a favor, please continue to pass this podcast along to your friends. Also, if you'd like to help keep this podcast stay up and running, you can make a small monthly contribution. It could be as little as 99 cents a month. Just see the support this podcast link under the episode description. If you are so inclined, that would be awesome. But whether you do or whether you don't, please feel free to listen and enjoy this podcast anytime as it is yours. As always, the music that begins and ends this podcast is by the band Dive. The song is called A Day Late, and it was written by Mr. John Villafuerte. But until next time, this is Chris Levine for Refresher, the pop culture therapy podcast. Everyone, please take care and do yourself a favor and remember that there's a big difference between worry and concern. Hey, next time, Psychology on Vinyl, Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. It's going to be great. We'll see you next time.